We are inching closer to the 2020 NFL season. Kevin Bowen back, another edition of Kevin's Corner. We'll go two this week on the old corner. Chris Presley across the way early on a Tuesday morning. Very early. Sorry, Chris. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to do this to you. but <laughs> It's um, all good, man. I guess actually I did mean to do this to you or else <laughs> we'd be recording at a different time. But uh, that's how things roll right now. Again, a week away from training camp. Honestly, less than 24 hours away from the Colts rookies reporting for camp yeah and they are now descending upon the city of indianapolis and i don't know if deadlines spur action chris but i feel like we're some positive momentum towards players reporting on time camp might not look mm-hmm. anywhere near what we're used to it looking like but still things you know you have to you have to use all the words that you know in, in covid life things are fluid but things are moving, I think, in a positive direction. Yeah, some uh, some interesting news out of the NFL and the NFLPA this week. Your thoughts on those? Yeah, let me let me pull up the. Um, I want to make sure that I have it right. Last week that or last night, we're, we're taping this again early Tuesday morning of the memo sent to um, the NFL about what training camp will look like for teams. Again, July twenty eighth is the report day for the Colts. Mm-hmm. What we're used to training camp is this. July 28th is report day. July 29th, you are on the field practicing football. Yeah. Now, the first two days of camp are usually like spring, like kind of no pads, more of an acclimation period, running around, but you're still doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, it sounds like, here in in 2020. Basically, it's going to be day one, COVID testing. So you're going to get tested right then and there. Day two and day three, you will not be tested, but you will be off-site. So think of remote meetings yeah. will be how things will operate. And then day four, you will get tested again. At that point, I think what you're trying to do is decide, okay, who has it? Who needs to isolate? Who needs to quarantine? And then day five begins the daily COVID testing, and that will be for two straight weeks, it sounds like. Players can begin entering the facility on day five. Okay. So when you hear all this – this is why I was such a big advocate for getting these players in the damn building a lot mm-hmm. earlier because you're wasting five days. Wasting is probably not the right term, but you're setting yourself back, and training camp is not going to look the same. And we've seen all this kind of acclimation period of the NFLPA wanting no preseason games, a strength and conditioning component to start camp, and I understand it. I get it. But what all this means is training camp is going to look a, a whole lot different, and I don't think we'll get into – serious 11-on-11 work really until, what, maybe mid-August? Yeah. Uh, that might be a little bit too far, but, I I mean, if you go 7 to 10 days of strength and conditioning, that's already like August 8th or something like that, and then you're going to have a bit of a spring period where you do some individual stuff, you do those things, and then obviously eventually you will get into the 11-on-11 and a full padded action. But, um I, I, I will be out there at camp. I'm, I've made the cut for one of the <laughs> one of the media people. Unlike my seventh grade basketball team, <laughs> I've actually made uh, made this cut. So um, we'll see what it looks like, though. You know, does that? I mean, am I going to be watching people strength and condition? Probably not. Yeah. You know, obviously, if players can't be in the building till day five, I don't envision myself being out there uh, very early on in camp. So. 
the the daily recaps will look different at some point we will get there but it, i guess what i'm getting at is don't expect them very very early mm-hmm. um, i am curious to see what happens with it was kind of floated around of two fan events at nfl stadiums during camp we saw yesterday the giants and jets saying no fans at all at MetLife Stadium this year. So, you know, how does that impact those things around the league? There are still a couple more hurdles to clear, mm-hmm. but things are moving in a good direction here with at least camp starting on time. What's your media availability going to look like? Do you know that yet? I've seen, like, some of the MLB players when they're doing interviews, at least for certain teams, it looks like some of them are still taking them via Zoom. Yeah, it will be all virtual. So even okay. if we're there, we will not – it will not be Frank Reich under a tent and us standing six feet away. It won't even be that. Um, basically, what it'll look like is this. And there's still, again, a couple of hurdles to clear on if we need to be tested on a daily basis. You know, what happens if they go indoors versus mm-hmm. outdoors, those sorts of things. Basically, the gist of it is this. We'd wear a mask the entire three hours of practice uh, in the back end zone obviously extremely far away from player, not even able to stand within six feet of your media cohort. Yeah. So for Mike Wells, who just wants to talk golf for three hours, that's not going to be good for him. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, virtual. I mean, basically, whenever Frank Reich's media availability will be, or Philip Rivers or Naeem Hines or insert player, that will be us, you know, driving home in our cars. Do we get home? Do we go to a local Starbucks and and <laughs> and do them? It will not be on site. Usually, the Colts have a media workroom, which is great. It's very easy to access, and that's kind of the office away from the actual office. Yeah. So um, that's how training camp will be for us. And I assume, honestly, that might be how the season is. I would expect we're still able to come and just take practice attendance like you normally would be. Mm-hmm. But I don't expect it all to be out there at the facility for, you know, three, four hours um, like I usually am during yeah. the regular season, three three, three or four days a week, really. So, um, again, very fluid. We'll see how all this changes, but I just wanted to give people a little bit of info as we are technically eight days, seven days away from the start of training camp. And as we approach training camp, something that you normally do on an annual basis on 1075thefan.com is write an article talking about indispensable Colts for the season this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's changed a little bit over the years. Um, When you use the phrase indispensable, first off, I think it's a word. um, I think it's one of the bigger words that I use all year, so I'm always uh, (laughs) happy to kind of throw that in there. Um, but I think when you look at this list, Chris, I don't know if you had an initial skepticism on it. I know a couple of people chirped on me at on on Twitter about it. So go ahead and dive into it. You throw the first name at me, and I'm and I'm curious. I guess we will get through the list of mm-hmm. all five names, and this is a one through five ranking, in my opinion. Um, but I have a feeling some people will have a little bit of pushback. Well, your number one was Anthony Costanzo, which I think. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I just think he plays um, a position that has the most drop-off from starter to backup. And mm-hmm. this sounds like something I said last year, and it remains true. LaRaven Clark is still your backup at left tackle. And I think Anthony Costanzo showed last year that he's almost ascending as a player, mm-hmm. which I know we talked about this in March when he was re-signed. What a huge freaking deal that was. Not like huge as in, uh, years and value, huge as in you're getting one of your most important players, in my opinion, your most important player back. Because if you don't have Costanzo, there's the trickle-down effect of now your quarterback's is, it, it exposed, 
now your run game is susceptible to maybe not being in a top five unit like you need them to be. So I think he is uh I think he's the most important player on the on, on this team. I don't care if he's turning thirty two here in a few weeks. And that completely changes your draft too. Completely. I mean And and arguably the whole offseason. Yeah. You know, do you trade away the thirteenth overall pick? True. You know, maybe Chris Bauer does because he thinks the next guy on this list is probably equally as important, but still, uh it, it just allowed you to not only cross off such an important priority, you know, checkpoint, if you will, for the offseason, but then it allowed you to say, okay, here you go to Forrest Buckner, here you go, Phillip Rivers, now you can do some other things like they ended up doing. Yeah, you ended at it with the 13th pick there, number two on your list, the Forrest Buckner. Yeah, and this is a little different than Costanzo to me, Chris. It isn't because you have this massive worry about defensive line depth. I actually think the defensive line group might be the deepest on the team, I, you could argue running back, I think, but I, I I think defensive line has some great depth. To me, it's this: Buckner is thought to be an All Pro talent, mm-hmm. and he plays the most important position on your defense. That's why he's this high on the list. Chris Ballard did not hold back last year, and with his actions and his words, and describing the poor play they had at defensive tackle. I think back to the Bill Polian quote that we talked about a few weeks ago on the pod of him saying, look, we weren't a Super Bowl team until we got Booger McFarlane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care if what Peyton put up in 2003 and 2004 and 2005. We needed that sort of player in the three technique in this Tampa 2 defense to truly feel like um, we were at that level to play winning football in the month of January consistently week in and week out. And – DeForest Buckner, honestly, he's a whole different player than Booger McFarlane. Um, and hopefully he's a whole different announcer if, if he ever decides <laughs> to go to go down that route. But still, I, I, I just think Buckner, um, he he means this much. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's a domino effect as well to him about what your linebackers look like and what your pass rush in turn means the pressure on your secondary and those sorts of things. So when Chris Bauer talks about building through the trenches – I had to start with a couple trench guys. Well, and you got some pretty good running backs in this division that that guy can stop. Exactly, exactly. That's a great point as well. Moving to number three, Phillip Rivers. Yeah, you know, uh, some people would have quarterback a lot higher on this list. I think in past years we've probably had quarterback a lot higher on this list. Um, And I understand it. You know, like quarterback means a lot. I think there is a bit of a drop-off from Phillip Rivers to Jacoby Brissett. I also think the Colts have a pretty deep quarterback Stable compared to most in the NFL. Yeah. Like Rivers and Brissett started 30 games in the fourth round pick and Jacob Eason. I mean, there are a lot worse quarterback situations, again, purely from a depth standpoint than what the Colts have here in, in 2020. So I just think that, um, I think there is a drop off from Rivers. Two percent, but I can make the argument that Anthony Casanzo is worth two or three wins. You can make the argument that DeForest Buckner is worth two or three wins, and I also think Philip Rivers is worth that as well. So th- I mean, these guys are close mm-hmm. on this list, but I just think that when you're talking from a like ability standpoint, what you're getting out of the quarterback, Rivers to me just still has to prove a little bit. Before I'm like, okay, without a doubt, he's, you know, whatever, the 10th best quarterback in the NFL or whatever label you want to throw on him. 
Number four on your list is the guy that will be snapping the ball to him, Ryan Kelly. Yeah, and I mean, I've got two offensive linemen in the top four here. Maybe not the two that many people would have expected to have, but why I put Kelly here is this, Chris. The position means that much in Frank Reich's offense. He does not shy away from uh, putting a lot of pressure and putting a lot of responsibility on the center's plate. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason Ryan Kelly was a top 20 pick. Uh, That was in the Ryan Grigson era. I mean, Ryan Grigson, and that regime thought very highly of Ryan Kelly. And this regime thinks very highly. Frank Reich went to Chris Ballard very early on in the process and was like, we need Ryan Kelly to be a stud. Yep. Like, point blank period. We need Ryan Kelly to be a stud for us. Um, There's a lot of pass protection stuff. There's a lot of just... I think, you know, being the quarterback of that unit, I know that's very coach speak, but... I think there's a lot of validity to that with with Kelly. Now, there's still a bit of a drop-off from Kelly to the backup center. Is it as drastic as LaRaven Clark? One might argue it might be more drastic. I mean, you're backup center on this football team right now. I'm guessing Javon Patterson, seventh-round pick last year who tore his ACL in the spring. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been talk of... Danny Pintner probably right. trying to do that at some point in the NFL. But, again, this is a tight end turned right tackle in college <laughs> who snapped a few balls at his pro day. Right. And people are now you know, thinking he can be a center with, obviously, minimal offseason work. So um, I also probably put two offensive linemen on this list, Chris, because if you're going to make me say the units with the most pressure on them in 2020, I'm putting the offensive line on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a ton of pressure, and it goes back to the whole domino thing. If they underperform, all of a sudden, your quarterback can't move, and your run game that you need to lean on and continue to be that that workhorse for you, now all of a sudden that could be an average rushing attack in the league. So those are the reasons why I put a couple uh, offensive linemen on here. Rounding out your list at number five was Darius Leonard. Maniac action. Um, You're the only one giving him respect, apparently. Yeah, how about that? Jeez. You see that Madden writing? Yep. Um, This was a toss-up for me between Darius Leonard and Kenny Moore. I wanted one more defensive player in here, and the reason I gave Leonard the nod is he's just around the ball a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, he just has that playmaking element, which Kenny Moore has a playmaking element, but, like, Kenny's is oftentimes a – Great tackle in space, a um, you know a pressure on a third down that that, that causes a throwaway. It, it may be not as tangible as like Leonard literally taking the ball away. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put Darius on here. Um, I mean, no one in, in NFL history at that position has created the amount of playmaking that he's done through the first two seasons. So I know last year the Colts were like two and one, I think, in the games that Leonard missed, but still, I just think that. While I like Bobby Okereke and I like Anthony Walker, they still don't go and get the football like Leonard does. So that's why I have him fifth on this list. So in this article, you do clarify some things here with the thoughts section, and there are some guys that are on the side of the building hanging up on the banners that you left off. Yeah. What do you think? You think I should put Nelson on there? Think I should put Ty on there? Or 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 Kenny Moore? I mean, what are your what are your what are your thoughts? Initially, I was a bit shocked that Nelson was not on there. But as you as you walk through this and, and talk us through it, I can see where you're coming from. You know, Nelson's the best player on this football team. Yeah. 
best player on this football team. I, you know, there's no argument with, with that, in my opinion. But he plays guard. And um, while the Colts don't have these ready-made guards necessarily as a backup, um, you can get by with a patchwork guard. I don't think you can do that at left tackle. I don't think you can do that at center. Without Nelson, you know, is your run game as potent? No. Is your pass protection as solid? No. But in my opinion, when we're talking indispensable, guys you can't afford to lose, to me losing Costanzo for 10 games, Kelly for 10 games, that would be more jarring to this football team than losing Nelson. And it really all comes down to the position that he plays. It's just that guard to me, and I know interior pressure has taken a rise in the NFL and things like that. But the nice thing is, like, if you lost Nelson, if you lost Nelson, Kelly can help a little bit. Costanzo can pinch down and help a little bit. Um, I mean, he's he's close, very close. Obviously, I I don't want to act like he's he's not a worthy player, but um, I just don't think his position carries the same impact. As What's the receiving core look like though without Ty? That's fair. Um, very fair. I guess I come down to this with Ty and last year. That was. I feel like he's got something to prove this year. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the same bona fide top ten wideout in this league. Um, so there's an age question. There's an injury question. With him, it's just not the same Hilton as, you know, leading the league and receiving like he did in whatever year that was, 2016, I think. Um, I get it. That wideout group is definitely barren from a prove-it standpoint without Hilton. Um, I also think you have the run game to lean on. I also have faith in Frank Wright to be able to scheme up some things. Now, last year, did it look very pretty without Hilton? No. <laughs> but um, I have a little bit more faith in in a Rivers Reich chess match here way to victory more so than uh, just purely losing Hilton. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, again, fair debate. Um, I had some pushback, mostly I think in the Nelson camp from people yesterday on social media when I when I posted that. But uh, I thought we'd uh, we'd get into a little debate here on the pod. I think it's awesome that a offensive lineman is someone that so many people back for this Indianapolis Colts team. Yeah, or like you could legitimately put three offensive linemen on this list. Yeah. Like if I would have taken off, I don't know, Leonard and put on Nelson, yeah, some people might have, you know, had a little bit of pushback, but still, I mean, that that's the point to where you've gotten. And, and if I were making this a eight-person list, Nelson probably would have been six or something like that. It also comes down to the point of just what the offensive line means to this football team. Mm-hmm. It means so, so freaking much. When you aren't, Elite at quarterback. You aren't necessarily elite at wideout. Your O line carries a heavy, heavy burden. So um, that's why you're putting these guys as high up as I did. A lot of Twitter questions this week, Kevin. We got tons. A I lot saw that, of Twitter man. questions and robust. I mean, all sorts of different, <laughs> different topics. This will probably be one of our longer Twitter question segments, maybe in the history of the show, to be honest with you. <laughs> And, and that's not hyperbole. But week before camp, we got to get to him. Got to. First one's from Tyler. You get one of these Colts to come back in their prime. Who are you taking, Vontae Davis or Dallas Clark? Also, do either stand to be in the Colts' ring of honor? 
Oh, boy. Um, well, first with the second one, I think I have a better chance of being in the Ring of Honor than Vontae Davis. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now, Clark, a chance at it. And wait, we screwed up a Ring of Honor question last week. I, I want to make sure that we that we eventually get to it. We will, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is Clark like the next guy from that era? I mean, Clark, he's not, he's not in it, right? He's not in. But I mean, last week like, when you said that, like it did jar. Like I for you almost forget over time how good certain players were and how consistent they were. Right. And I think that is the key word for Dallas Clark is he was so consistent. He he was, and that that's a great way to put it. And you get into the Tarek Glenn Bob Sanders debate with mm-hmm. that. Um. Now I. I will say this. You get one of these Colts to come back in their prime. I'm taking Vontae Davis. Are you? And that's going to be surprising to you, I think, and to a lot of people. But Vontae Davis's prime, to be fair, was about one season. Mm-hmm. The 2014 year, where he was the best corner in football and was on an island week after week and was the reason why this team won in Denver in the divisional round of that playoffs and got to the AFC title game. Vontae Davis was a flat-out stud. So I think a shutdown corner means more to me than a tight end. Okay. And I know that might be not the way to go in a Frank Reich coach team, but if we're talking prime, we are not talking five years, ten years, because Dallas Clark – you're taking him 100 times out of 100 because Vontae Davis had some volatility to him um, at, as a player that was the reason why he didn't last here very long or didn't last in Miami Buffalo. You know, very long. <laughs> Buffalo as well. Yeah, Buffalo he didn't even last, you know. A, a, a full game. A full game, yeah. <laughs> um, but, again, we're talking prime. Give me the shutdown corner in today's NFL. So... That might, I don't know, people might disagree with that strongly. But if I can bank on that prime, be in multiple seasons, give it to me. Tim wants to know, do you see the Colts keeping Jacob Eason on the 53-man roster or risk losing him to put him on the practice squad? No, 53, Tim. Yeah, you can't You can't risk him. You know, he he's a fourth-round pick. Teams are going to – I know he fell and 31 teams passed on him, the old adage, but still, I'm not, I'm not putting him on the practice squad and, and risking that. Question from Cash Considerations. <laughs> Love some of these names. Could the Colts be buyers come trade deadline time? Whoa. If so, are they looking for are they looking for <laughs> sorry. If so, are they looking for to round out this team to contend they may be available via a tanking team? I imagine we'd have a great first half of the year for Bauer to part with picks. For a win now trade, and I botched that completely, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's again, it's barely even 8 a.m. right now. Um, wow, I can't believe we're talking trade deadline. <laughs> uh, I mean, full transparency, I haven't even looked there yet. Like, I'm just let's just get the season started. To be honest with you, you know, it's something that I feel like in the NFL, you really got to see the the season unfold. You know, we we've talked buyer sellers in the past few years. I remember mm-hmm. Vontae Davis was a big seller for me a few years ago. Um, I always come back to this, Chris. Are you giving up a draft pick? Yeah. That's what you have to do to get someone in the trade deadline, which the trade deadline in the NFL is never very active. Uh, and I'm not. 
I, I, I'm not. I, you know, maybe if you start five and two, six and one, and you have like a big injury at left tackle, and you feel like you're a team position for a playoff run, maybe then you would do something. Mm-hmm. But no, as of July 21st, shit. Let me let, let's just put on pass <laughs> once and 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 play a 60 minute game before we start talking trade deadline. But when your name's cash considerations, I That's guess true. You, you can see where the question comes from. Mike in Portland, Oregon, wants to know if there is no season this year, do the players' contracts still count towards the years served on the contract? If so, is that a good thing? For example, Quentin Nelson's contract is up, but he has one less year of wear and tear on the body. Yeah, that's a really good question, Mike. Um, it's something I think we're going to need to see agreed upon with the NFLPA and the, and the NFL here. I mean, the, I think those are kind of one of the final cross T's, dot I's sort of thing. Um do these players get paid? What happens at the guarantees? Does Phil Rivers one year twenty five million get rolled over to next year? Mm-hmm. You know all of those questions that you have. Um, you know, like okay, if you're going to hold Big Q back from a contract, does that mean all those other guys are free agents? Like, is Hooker now a free agent? Yeah. Is River like if I'm reading that correctly? Um, so yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure on a. It's a very good question, but that's something that I think we would have to be agreed on. I, I, I tend to think the contracts are just freeze and you just go to next year. I mean, if guys aren't working, yes, there's some sort of guarantee, and I know that's a big labor dispute, but, like, how can you pay them? Yeah. You know? I mean, like, literally, if they're not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Great, great question. Mike, they're going to do everything they can to play 16 games. Everything. Everything. It's the NFL. Jordan's question this week. So with the next pick miniseries on YouTube, after we moved up for Jonathan Taylor, Ballard asked, who do we want to get with number 75? And one of our scouts says another Taylor. Do you think this could be referencing actually another Taylor that they were high on other than Blackman? Oh, no, Jordan. I I think this is in reference to another Jonathan Taylor type of player, like Mm -hmm. another stud, another star, another high character, blue trait, whatever you want to call it. I don't think this is in reference to – you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I think this is just typically another type of elite player that we really like and we want to be a horseshoe guy, you know, all, all of that. I can't imagine that the video editing department, let alone the people that sign off in that video, would have allowed that yeah. to to have gone through. Sticking with Taylor, Nick's one, Nick wants to know, how many touches can we expect our new brute, Mr. Taylor, to receive on a game-to-game basis? Is our own line top three in the league? And over or under 10 to 11 wins doesn't seem too far-fetched, no? Okay, so a couple ones here from old Nick. Um, Taylor, how many touches? You know, early on, boy, it's a, it's a good question. I, I can't see him playing a lot of third down. So I think when you say touches, I think we mostly mean carries mm-hmm. with, with him. Um, 12-ish early on. Some people might say it's a little high. You know, is it Mac going to be, especially with the shortened offseason, no preseason games potentially? You know, will it be Mac 18 out of the gate and Taylor getting eight out of the gate, something like that? Um, I would like to see that a little bit closer just because, again, if you're going to draft a running back where you draft them, yeah. throw them in there. And Jonathan Taylor's coming from Wisconsin. He ain't coming from, <laughs> you know, spread offense. You. Uh, O-line top three in the league? Oh, boy, I think it needs to be, you know? Um, probably fair, but that that's that's. I mean, top three is high, high praise, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I think double digit wins should be the expectation. 
I think that's where you kind of throw the um, throw the barometer. I agree. Question from Ty Kevin. Loves the podcast. Is there any chance Big Q moves over to left tackle to replace Constanzo when he retires? Would think we want the best player at the most important positions, but not sure if a move like that makes sense. Yeah, Ty, I mean, like, it, it sounds good on paper, but that's just not how things work. You know, Quentin Nelson, I don't think he ever played left tackle in Notre Dame. I think he was always a guard there. So, yes, I, I understand the whole best player at the best position, but your footwork at left tackle is a little bit different than your footwork at left guard. Um, so, yeah, that that will not be happening. There is zero chance of that happening. But um, we get some form of this question every week of, like, trying to replace Anthony Casanza moving forward. I don't think it'll ever be Braden Smith. I don't think it'll ever be Quentin Nelson. You're just going to have to draft a left tackle. Yep. That works out. Similar to how you drafted Anthony Casanza, that worked out. Or you drafted Tarek Glenn, that worked out. And hopefully you don't draft Tony Hugo. Like, that's <laughs> that. Or Ben Ijelana. Like, that's that's, like, where There's you're at. Um. As a franchise. And if you move one guy, now all of a sudden you worry about that position. And you're still worried about the guy that you move definitely being the same type of player out there. So, I love people thinking outside the box, but no, that ain't happening. Outside of Rivers and Eason, which veteran which veteran rookie relationship are you most curious to watch this year? Could be from any angle. Personality, meshes and clashes, long-term team impact, chemistry, etc. And that's from Stan. Our guy Stan always asks great questions. Um, well, Rivers Easton definitely on that list. You know, what about Malik Hooker and Julian Blackman? Mm-hmm. And what about Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor? You know, I, my, I first think to the early draft picks and the veterans above them. You know, how does that dichotomy work, if you will? Um, I love the way T.Y. Hilton works. So I think him and Michael Pittman, even though they aren't the same skill set, like, Body types, obviously. I like that. Um, some of the Colts feel like Xavier Rhodes has some Mike Mitchell in him, which is high praise. They yeah. raved about Mike Mitchell and just the the amount of professionalism he bought on a day, brought on a daily basis. Well, you know, what happens if Xavier Rhodes all of a sudden isn't starting? Does that impact that professionalism? Does that impact how willing he is maybe to say, you know, come here, Marvell Tell. Oh, wait, you're taking my playing time. <laughs> You know, that's, it's just, there's a human element to it all. I'm not, like, ripping Xavier Rhodes for that. Sure, I'd like everyone to be a great professional, but I get it. You're a yeah. former first-round pick. You've started every game you've played in the NFL. That's weird. Um, certainly DeForest Buckner. I, gosh, I feel like I'm naming everybody. But Buckner, considering his pedigree as a leader and as a work ethic guy with that young defensive line, all of them. Pintner, you know, with those veterans on the O-line. So, yeah. Stan, uh, Hooker, Blackman, Mac Taylor would be atop the list, but still there are there are a lot of other ones in there. Steven wants to know, what's your favorite sports memorabilia item that you own? Oh, my. Um, I got a Tiger autograph. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Thanks to my brother. My dad got me John Wooden's autograph once. Okay. Uh, Pyramid of Success, that, mm-hmm. that big wooden thing. Yep. Um... All right, this is going to sound creepy, and I, sh- I please don't arrest me for this or anything. But um, I was a uh, what was I a seventh grader, maybe an eighth grader, I think seventh, and I got Greg Oden and Mike Conley's autograph at a Lawrence North Carmel High School football game. 
I got a Greg Oden and Mike Conley autograph on the back of like their three or four peat state championship shirt. Okay, so at least at that point they're about to go into college. Yeah. Yeah, mine was a little creepy, really weird. <laughs> um, this is pretty much how it went down. So I I grew up in Carmel, went to Carmel Public School. So, you know, Friday night you're going to the um to the Carmel football game. Always. Blah blah blah. Yep. And you're hanging out there and whatnot. So all of a sudden this extremely large human being comes over to the Carmel side and uh and my buddy Zach Rosenberg was like, dude, I think that's that guy that they keep on talking about, like the next Shaq or whatever. Yeah. Greg Odin's just coming over to buy ice cream, you know, from the home sideline. And sure enough, I'm like, all right, I'm going back over there. And for some reason, now that I think about it, I had a mi- I was planning this, I guess to to a degree. I had a mini, like one of those very many Ohio State football helmets with me. And at this point, I guess they'd already wow. already, already committed. Okay. Does that make sense? I don't and know seven, so sense. how old were they? They were probably freshmen, maybe sophomores. They didn't commit that early. I don't think they, they committed that early. Man, I, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> look that up. When, when did Greg Odin and Mike Conley commit? Because I'm almost positive that 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 I got that autograph at that time then. But anyways, I um, I go back over and I like sit a little bit above the Lawrence North student section. And no one really knew Conley that well at the time. But I thought that would be my end to get Odin. Yeah. Like, if I recognized Conley, maybe that would help with Greg. And I got both guys' autographs. May 2nd, 2005 is what the quick Google May search. 2nd, 2005. And they graduated in 2006. So, yeah, that, 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 I don't know why I would have had that Ohio State mini helmet, but that was definitely <laughs> then. Um, so, yeah, I also I, – I think I got their autograph on a Krabby Bill T-shirt, which is like a restaurant in Florida. So, yeah, that that's super weird. Greg Oden obviously, unfortunately, did not pan out. That's a long answer to Twitter questions this week. But, yeah, that's what I got. It is yeah. funny looking back at – when I look back at the shirt because I have it framed. Uh-huh. I'm like, who would have ever thought that Mike Conley's oh. autograph would be worth more than Greg Oden's? Infinitely more. Yeah, man, you just feel bad for Greg. And, yeah, he's had a lot of battles in his life since then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I'm glad to know that I wasn't the weird – well, I was weird. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to deny that. I still am weird. But, uh, yeah, I got issues, man. We got a Texas Colt fan question this week. How many of this year's starters would start on the prime Manning era teams? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Really good. Uh, Nelson, Buckner, mm-hmm. Leonard, Kenny Moore. I mean, Costanzo, if it's not Tart Glenn out there, I mean, I think, you know, he's better than Charlie Johnson, or I'm trying to think who else played left tackle. I mean, how Costanzo started in Manning's last year, 2011. Granted, that's not prime Manning era teams. Uh, maybe Justin Houston. Hilton, for sure. Three, three wide set, even with Marvin and Reggie. Uh, maybe on Doyle, maybe on Anthony Walker. You know, I feel like the linebackers for the Colts were never really, like, studs. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone else I'm forgetting? Maybe Hooker? No, I think you I think you nailed it. You know, a, a, a lot of those trench guys. A lot of those trench guys. They always had a good running back. You know, it's hard to say Marlon Mack. I mean, you went yeah. from edge to, to a die to, you know, 
Damn, Dominic Rhodes should have been an MVP of that Super Bowl. So, yeah. It's a great question. Question from Brazil. This is from Carlos. Carlos, what's up, man? Says, what's up, Kevin? A fan from Brazil. How many Colts players do you think are top 10 at their position? So kind of a similar one Yeah. here from Carlos. Obviously, I'll echo the same ones I just said. Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Buckner, Leonard, Kenny Moore. Probably Houston. You consider Marlon Mack a top 10 running back? I consider him a, a top 10 surprise at the position, if that makes sense. Okay, so no. Just out, I mean, just out, I mean, a couple podcasts ago, reading through those list of running backs that are coming up on deals, I was like, Ew. yeah, okay, top ten running backs in yards last year, okay, Derrick Henry better, Nick Chubb better, McCaffrey better, Ezekiel Elliott better, Chris Carson debatable, Leonard Fournette, I mean, pure talent, you'd probably say better, Dalvin Cook better, Joe Mixon better, Josh Jacobs better, I Saquon better. Sony Michelle better. Yeah, I mean it's it's. T- I mean that's probably ten. That's close. Yeah, I'd say he's right there though. Um, maybe Doyle. Top ten tight end. I don't know nine ten something around there. Yeah, that's one. Going back to fantasy football that we talked about a couple weeks ago. That that's one of the positions that goes quick in terms yeah. of like from tier one to tier two. The drop off is just so drastic. Yeah, and it's like with, with Doyle is hard with Ebron of like. He might not be considered a top 10 fantasy tight end. But, like, as a pure tight end, his blocking mm-hmm. and his consistency as a receiver, you put him out there. Certainly Rigo. Rigo Berto. Yep, yep. Sanchez and, and and Luke Rhodes, for for what it's worth. I mean, what, hey, how many podcasts do you get the long snapper thrown in there? Um, they are definitely top 10 players. We've had some good ones. Yeah, some great ones. Question from Nathan this week. Let's say Hilton has another injury-filled season and Pittman goes on to play himself into a 1,000-yard season and a Pro Bowl while Campbell and Pascal have solid seasons themselves. Do we re-sign Hilton or let him walk? Nathan, let me start with this. If Michael Pittman has a 1,000-yard season and is a Pro Bowler, <laughs> dude, rookies just don't do that. Yeah. They just don't. I, I think I talked about it a few podcasts ago. I want to say A.J. Brown is the only wideout in the NFL over the last three years to have 1,000 yards as a rookie. Yeah. You know, before that was Michael Thomas. Uh, look at Michael Thomas now. So if, if Michael Pittman achieves that, you know, build the statue now. <laughs> um, under that scenario, it, it's probably a walk. I'd probably let Hilton walk. But – I honestly feel like that sort of scenario almost has to happen for me to sit here and be like, Hilton's definitely a walk. Exactly. Which it's that that seems very far fetched to me. Now, I don't know, maybe it does. But um you really need all of those things to happen. Hilton injury filled season. Pittman all of a sudden looking like a oh my gosh, he's our number one guy in November. And Campbell and Pascal take these nice jumps, and probably Campbell more so than 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 Pascal. I, I don't want – I'm not in the camp of let T.Y. Hilton walk. I'm not in that camp. So I want to make that abundantly clear. But I also can look in the mirror and realize we could be in a cap situation mm-hmm. next year around the NFL that's a little awkward. So it's a good little scenario, Nathan, as much as I might want to disagree with it. <laughs> so from Nathan to our guy Nathaniel, he wants to know, do you agree or disagree with the Madden Colts ratings? Okay. 
Um, I, I don't have them in front of me, Chris. Um, maybe you do. I, I don't. Leonard was the one that jumped out at me. Was there anything else that I should be worried about? 85, right? Was L- Leonard? A lot of 85. So Costanzo, Houston, Kelly, Leonard, and Mac all received 85 ratings. I mean, like, are you telling me that Darius Leonard and Justin Houston both deserve an 85? This isn't longevity in the league. This is how effective were they. La- no, I, Leonard 85 is LOL. Like, what? Has he been chirping about on Twitter? He's got to be. He was not happy. Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, hell, he's told me that I didn't bleed blue last season. I hope he's getting <laughs> on other people for that. But that's why, just referencing back to the beginning of the podcast, like, can we get one poll or one rating or one something that Darius Leonard's respected on? It seems to happen a lot to him, doesn't it? Every single time. Yeah. And, and that chip pro- is just getting bigger and bigger on the shoulder. Right. And he he I mean he holds back. Did you see the quote I had in the story earlier this week from Leonard about the Colts last year? Uh-uh. Okay. So I kind of dove in and I've mentioned this on 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 the podcast before and this is kind of the big mantra I have coming into the season about it's time for the Colts to prove themselves without Andrew Luck. You know, Chris Bowd says it'll never be about one guy. Well, you're 11 and 21 without Andrew Luck. Like mm-hmm. it, it's hard to get away from that quote. Leonard said this. For a team to not make the playoffs, you are considered a sorry team. There's no sugarcoating it. You sucked. Last year, we sucked. And we got to make sure we don't feel that feeling again. We have to grind, and we have to do everything we can to make the playoffs. If we don't make the playoffs, it's a bust for you. You suck if you don't make the playoffs. I love that. Love it. Absolutely love it. That is leadership right there like none other. Unbelievable quote, but it it, it it goes back to the just general Darius Leonard, I've got a boulder on my shoulder mm-hmm. type of mindset that that he plays with. So, man, what what was um? Do you have Buckner Madden rating on there? Buckner and Ty were eighty seven, which Reggie Wayne loved. Um, Anybody higher? Quentin, Nelson. Quentin Nelson ninety four. Nelson should be higher than that. <laughs> was it? It was Mahomes and Donald the only ninety nines. Did I see that right? Uh, I think Michael Thomas also received a ninety nine. Really. Rating. Which a lot of people they were saying like Julio Jones is better than Thomas, you know. Maybe they only watch the Saints Colts film from <laughs> from from last year. Um, yeah, Madden ratings. It's been a while since I played Madden, but man, if this quarantine continues, I might. <laughs> I'm so, hopefully my wife's not listening, but it might be time for a game system. <laughs> from Bratzu, why wouldn't Can you imagine? I've got this six week newborn, and I'm like, yeah, babe, I just bought an Xbox. You can't tell her that. No. No. That'd be, <laughs> oof, boy, dad of the year. Yeah. Couldn't be further from that. <laughs> from Bratzu, why wouldn't the Colts spend remaining cap on high-quality depth? Moves could pay off beyond even this year. For example, signing Clowney to a one-year $16 million deal. You have the tag rights and less wave to sign. Even if he leaves, it's likely a third-round compensation pick. If cap goes down next year, picks are more valuable. Is it likely a third-round pick? I mean, David Clowney, no, Seattle's not getting a comp pick for him this year. Remember, that, that comp period ends at some point during the offseason. So if teams are hesitant on him this year, why wouldn't they be hesitant on him next year when it's much more of a tight cap? So I just, again, we get some form of this question every week. I just don't think it's that black and white mm-hmm. on Clowney. Now, you can do physicals. Maybe that changes a little bit on him coming off the the open market. But, um... They just, uh, 
I don't think they have the cap space right now to do the $16 million. They have like 21 22 And again, you want the in-season stuff, mm-hmm. and you want a little bit of carryover, I think, as well. So I, I can't see them doing that. My argument all along would have been, you know, probably to cut ties with uh, the old $21 million cap hit on, uh, on Jacoby. That's that's the route I would have taken. I get it. Some people don't want that um, or wouldn't have done that. They, they'd rather have more of a secure backup. But uh, I'm all about if Rivers gets hurt, all right, start the next era. An interesting question from Steven. Would you rather fight one Quentin Nelson-sized Kenny Moore or 100 Kenny Moore-sized Quentin Nelsons? One Quentin Nelson-sized Kenny Moore or 100 Kenny Moore-sized One. You have to go one. I mean, think about it. If I fight off the first 62 <laughs> Kenny Moore size Quinn Nelson's number 63 is just going to break me and golf me. You think you get through 62? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, know, I, I mean, I the, if I get through six, number seven, you know, with one, you just you hope you kick him in the shin. You hope you, I don't know, you hope you just. It just takes one lucky shot. Yeah. Yeah. Hope maybe in the, you know. Region, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, neither. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing. Mike's question this week: two on two basketball, Kevin and Joey Molinaro versus Chris and Cheeks. Oh, how does it play out, and who wins? How about Cheeks not having the gumption to be in here this early in the morning? I know that right there doesn't it isn't a good look for you and on this team, Chris. What are your thoughts, Joey and I versus versus you, you, you and Cheeks? How are you at basketball? You pretty you you got are you like an outside guy? Yeah, I which you know for being six three, I should play more inside. But you know, you grow up in the state of Indiana, you should be able to hit an open <laughs> jump shot, and that's what I can do. I got a little uh, Kevin Pitznagel in my. Oh game. my gosh, what a name! <laughs> I love that. Well, we might lose twenty one nothing. I'm you guys uh, are Pitznagel and Gansey. When I'm on, I'm on. But like you said, Indiana, like we're running three-point line to three-point line. Yeah, we really are. I played um, intramural, or there's an alumni league at my older brother's brother-in-law's high school, and uh, they needed me for a game this year, and I guarded Shaq. I mean, this dude was six seven, <laughs> three hundred, and just I, that was my job just just have Shaq sweat on me all game. And boy, I think I was I took an ice bath till the sun went down. <laughs> I would say Joey and I get it done. I mean, Cheeks is short, for those that don't know. What's Cheeks listed at? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I'll be generous and say 5'7". That's generous. I mean... That's generous. That's my guy, so yeah. I can't... I mean, Darren Sproles would post up Cheeks. Um, He might be crafty. Yeah, yeah. He might be. Okay, moving on. Question this week from Tanner. Which scenario is more likely to happen in 2020? Rivers is, a mo- is the most productive quarterback in the AFC South or Rivers is the least productive quarterback in the AFC South in terms of overall efficiency, total yards, and touchdowns? It's a good question. Interesting question. Um, I look at it like this right now, Chris. If I'm ranking the AFC South quarterbacks, Watson is one. You know, Based off last year, you got to put Tannehill two. And then Rivers three, although that's very close. It's almost interchangeable, I think, to a lot of people. And then whoever the hell starts at Jacksonville at four. So if you go off that, well, if Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew strikes gold or whoever their starter is going to be, um, you th- theoretically he'd only have to move one spot mm-hmm. down to achieve the worst 
or the least productive AFC South quarterback. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's at either end of the spectrum. I think it's just very middle of the pack. And mm-hmm. I know that's a cop out answer that Tanner didn't give me. Um, I just can't see him jumping Watson. I don't either. I can't like under no no way can I injury would be the only way that I see him jumping Watson. So, um, yeah, Tanner, that's a really good one, man. Really good one. Another good one from Jason. Assuming the Colts are prepared to let Hooker walk at the end of the season, do they a play him as much as possible this season to allow Blackman to heal and drive up his compensation? compensatory pick trust cheese pick or start working in blackman when he's ready to prepare for the future oh no i mean you are you are trying to win win period no it's no um this isn't 2018 where you're like openly admitting we're playing the young guys and john simon isn't good enough for us but he's good enough for a super bowl winner um yeah no way you know and, and, and and I get why you want to play back Blackman, but I'm not putting him out there until he's full go and, like, ready to impact. Absolutely. I mean, Hooker is still a decent, better-than-decent football player. So, um, you are trying – this this rebuild has hit some road bumps, and you've missed the playoffs four out of five years. I mean, if you go five out of six, that's that's like Indianapolis Colts of our fathers. Indiana. I mean, that's bad. Mm-hmm. So – Whatever it takes to win. That sounds like a high school football shirt, but yeah, it's that. More likely to emerge this season, Lewis or Banigou, and that's from Greg. Tyquan Lewis or Ben Banigou. Um, it, it's whoever can become a rundown defensive end, in my mind. Because I think when you get to third down, I think it's going to be Justin Houston and Kamoko Turi at ends. Now, maybe you get creative and Banigou can slide in there, and, and you do something, you know, a little bit different. But still, I think it's who can become a better rundown defensive end for you. And as of right now, I I would say Lewis over Banigou. Just because I've seen Lewis do it. Now, I've also seen him be benched and, and the staff not be obsessed with him. So there are, it's not like, I don't say I have a whole lot of confidence, but I, at least I've seen a little bit more from Lewis than I have from Banigou. But that, that, that's another good one, Greg. Randy wants to know, what's the early read on how this reduced revenue season will have on the salary cap for next year, and how do you see that impacting the Colts and free agency? Do I say it's uh, that – do I say great question too often? Do I compliment people too much? No, I mean, we get a lot of really good questions. I, I genuinely mean that. I do. I don't just throw that out there to be like, you know. But I was about to say something I shouldn't have, so I'm going to move on. Um <laughs> Great question, Randy. How spread out is that cap situation? That that's my question for for you, Chris and 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 Randy and our listeners. If are you able to spread it out over five years? How big of a hit will it take in twenty twenty one? Because we know the reality for the Colts. You got eleven or twelve starters that are hitting the open market, and you got quarterback dilemmas, and you haven't extended Ryan Kelly yet. I I think that's COVID related, in my opinion. So, um, boy, it's gonna it's gonna impact some things. For sure. It's just how much, how much are you doing that? Um, I don't have a great read. Don't have a great read mm-hmm. on it. 
You're going to have to bring guys back on shorter deals. You might have to cut some of your veterans that you've given or restructure some mo- some money. You might have to go up to Phil Rivers and say, here, one year, $10 million. You know, that, that, that might be blunt. That might not work, but we could be in for a totally different. Yep. Totally different cap situation. We'll worry about that, Randy, down the road, but thank you. From James, with the talk of possibly reducing the preseason even further, how do you see this affecting the rookies and undrafted class? And is there anything the team can do about it? Uh, anything the team can do about it to give them a shot to make an already deep roster? Well, it absolutely kills them. You know, very limited number of padded practices, period. Um, it seems like we're, we're fully catering to veterans here, honestly. Yeah. You know, it does. It seems like the NFLPA has said, all right. We want our veterans to be healthy. We want our frontline guys to be healthy. We don't care much about the rookies and how how many chances they will get to make an impact. So it goes back to the guys you trust. For me, how big's your practice squad? I think I think I, that's what it'll come down to. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? That's who's going to make the fifty-three man roster. How quickly can those rookies earn trust? From Clayton, congrats on the baby girl. Thank you, Clayton. Appreciate that. He and his wife are expecting a little girl in October. His question to you is, how does he still maintain his weekly round of golf with a newborn? I'm looking into a push cart with a baby carrier. How has your golf game been this summer? Wow, Clayton. Uh, if, yeah, if you invent that or if you if you find that, I will say, though, the whole newborn on a 90-degree heat, probably not ideal for, for four or five <laughs> hours, Clayton. Um, I played golf last week in an, in an outing. also played for my, for my brother's wedding. Yeah. That's the key. You got to get these big life events. Oh, you know, your older brother's having his third kid and it's his <laughs> birthday in August. We're going to go play, you know. The problem is golf takes forever. <laughs> it does. I yeah. you know, I just If you're playing a foursome, I mean, that's 5 hours, folks. When you include travel, driving to the golf course, coming home, you're not staying for a post-round beer anymore. Nope. That's the reality. My wife's been great though about it, but I have a feeling that um I can't imagine the rounds because, like, work's, work's starting to pick up more for me. More obligations for Colts. Pacers are playing on the weekends. And, at, you know, at, you know, if you're trying to sneak in the late evening round, the Pacers are playing games at 6 o'clock in Orlando. It just, yeah. I've gotten enough golf in th- th- this year, which it takes a lot for me to admit that, Clayton. For Matt, do you think the signing of Rhodes over to Sear is to help teach young secondary how to be great? Rhodes has an all-pro and Pro Bowl honors, while DeSeer does not. A case of you learn better from a teacher with more accolades. Yeah, um, this kind of goes back to our earlier question about the whole Mike Mitchell um, debate. Um, that sounds good. You know, it, it does. But I'm just, I'm kind of more in the camp of Xavier Rose, you go get right. You you figure you out first. And then you can do your tutelage and do your teaching more so do it with your actions. Um, let's go there first with the whole Xavier Rhodes thing. So Pittman and his girlfriend have a fun YouTube channel. Which other Colts player would would have a fun slash entertaining YouTube channel but does not? That's from our friend Grant. Dude, they got a huge YouTube channel. Yeah, they do. Huge. Um, I think Leonard would be good. You know, he's such a homebody when, when he gets on that farm down there in South Carolina. <laughs> uh, Naeem Hines, I think, has a great personality. Who else? 
you know, guy that I always thought was pretty funny back in his college days or even has a good personality when I hear him on the radio is uh, Sheldon Day. Yeah. Kind of a big teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Might be fun to, you know, him kind of do that around the Indy area. Those are the ones that stand out to me. From Cody, who will be more fantasy relevant, Taylor or Pittman? Oh, gosh. That's tough. You know, you're, you're, you're an injury away from Marlon Mack, from Jonathan Taylor being, what, a top five running back in the league, fantasy-wise? Yeah. I mean, because if he's not splitting carries. Right. And if he's the bell cow behind that O-line. Yeah. Whatever Marlon Mack was fantasy-wise last year, that's Jonathan Taylor. So, I would lean towards, like, Taylor having the more the higher ceiling, I guess. Because if Hilton gets hurt, you could still spread the ball around. Do I think Pittman would absor- absorb more of it? Yes, but still. I mean, when Hilton went down last year, it was a crapshoot trying to predict who was catching balls for the Colts. You really need the touchdowns from Michael Pittman. That's the big thing you need mm-hmm. from him. But, Cody, just all goes back to the positions that you've drafted. I, 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 I'm I, such a, like, okay, I'm at round four. What have I done in the early round? I'm not a take best player available. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Like I said, I've never won a fantasy draft. <laughs> or I've certainly never won a fantasy season. So, yeah. From Dick, if you make five Colts players available for the expansion draft using the rules in place when Houston joined, which five would you choose? Oh, wow. I've never thought about this. Oh, man. Get my good 8.55 a.m. stretch <laughs> in there. Um, Okay. So I, I, I had to look this up. Houston expansion draft, Chris. The rules were you could only have one 30-year-old of your five players. Okay. And you couldn't have any un- unrestricted free agents. So um, that really lessens... Yeah, it does. The Colts' pool of candidates. They just don't have a lot of, like, under 30-year-olds that are signed for two to three years that you want to get rid of. Um, I'd probably throw your, like, linebackers on here of Matthew Adams, Ayer Franklin. I'd probably throw Jordan Wilkins. Like, unfortunately, you're going to have to give up some, like, people. people will literally be like, how dare could you say that name? Go look at the roster. Who are you giving up? Yeah. Mark Glowinski? Jack Doyle? I know it sounds crazy, but again, we're talking guys hovering around 30 that are two to three years, and, you know, if you're saving $7 million and then all of a sudden you go sign a $7 million tight end, I don't know. I, I, I mean, again, who are the guys signed for multiple years that you are giving up? Yeah. I can't. I mean, certainly not Casanzo, certainly not Nelson, certainly not Kelly, not Braden Smith, not Buckner and and Leonard and boy, yeah, it's just Kenny Moore, no, Marvel Tell, no, Julian Blackman, Kari Willis, no, like uh, George Odom, I, Dick, I'd just be glad there's not an expansion team coming. <laughs> from Michelle, unpopular opinion: If Adam has or can complete rehab process from his injury. Will the Colts allow him to compete for his job? Yes, I know it's a long shot. I just want to know if he has anything left. Shell, appreciate the question, but no, no, no. I just, I don't, I don't see the point. And I, and I think the Colts have finally come around to that. Um, you know, the tone of my voice is a little bit lighter. It's just we continue to get these questions, and my answer will continue to be the same. You have two young, 
somewhat intriguing kicking options. Yep. Why delay the inevitable? Why? I We watched golf this weekend. Chris said he watched golf this weekend. Tiger wakes up Friday morning. The back hurts a little bit. He shoots 76. It's just like these guys um, at that age, you just worry. You just worry. Sorry, Michelle. For Mike, if the season ends up getting canceled at any point or in total, does this affect the Colts wanting to bring Rivers back next year to keep familiarity, or does Ballard see this as a time to start fresh with a young free agent quarterback, Eason, or a Jim rookie QB? Yeah, I mean, it's a weird, good question. I assume Rivers will still want to play, Mm -hmm. but I will stand by what I've said all along. It doesn't matter when. Whenever you find that quarterback, you take him. Yep. Point blank period. I don't care when it is. Whenever you find it, you exhaust every resource to go get that guy. So that's how it is. It would not stunt Rivers coming back, would not stunt whatsoever my eagerness, need to go find the next franchise quarterback. The fake XFL is a big autographed jersey collector, mm. and he is trying to decide between Pittman or Taylor which one, in your opinion, will have the greatest chance of increasing their respective jersey value through their career? Wow, what a question. Um, I guess it kind of goes back to the earlier one. I think running backs in general have the immediate star power mm-hmm. to them. They have a little bit more flash, a little more pizzazz. But if you're talking longevity, Michael Pittman's probably the one that you expect to play five to ten years, ten-ish years, I should say. So, yeah, that's what I would think. Um, again, it might take a little bit longer for Pittman to get to be that star, but uh, that's the one you can bank on for longer. From Jake, what are the chances Eason plays a game this year due to positive COVID testing by Rivers and Brissett? Well, you know, this goes back to what I said a month ago. If I'm the crazy SEC coach, I'm hoping Philip Rivers and Jacoby <laughs> Brissett get COVID, which, and again, I know that sounds awful, and I shouldn't say that. That wasn't politically correct. But uh, if I can guarantee that they're going to come healthy out of it, sure. Uh, chance, boy, it's a lot higher than I thought it'd be. I mean, when you put it like that, you know, just Rivers and Brissett, I don't know, 20%, 10%. I mean, Chad Kelly was a snap away from playing last year. Yeah. And, and, you know, if Rivers gets hurt, Jacob Eason will be a snap away from playing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how it'll be. So, I don't know. They're two very durable guys. Jake, it's a great question. NFL waiting room. Tacos, burrito, or burrito vol? Very important question for the podcast. Burritos. I like bread. I want bread in me. <laughs> I do. And I like bread, you know, you kind of dip it in like, you know, the burrito-ish sauce that's kind of falling out. If I got some crumbs on the plate, I can get a little piece of the of the old soft shell around there. Yeah. You? I guess it depends on where I'm getting it from, but I'm normally a bowl guy. Because I, I typically, down here across across the street from the station, we got Chipotle and Qdoba. Yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. And I typically get, typically get a bowl. Yeah, I know a lot of people would say bowl, but I'm just, I'm not very healthy. So, I'll go burrito. PV, Colts go 8-8 eight and eight this season and Rivers isn't what we expected. Would you sign Dak for $114 million over three years, 38 per year, fully guaranteed? And we had a ton of Dak questions. Yeah. So, all your Dak questions, this is it right here. 
Um, what 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 are the odds? Give those to me, Chris. That you know, people have been talking about Dak to the Colts or something. The odds? Yeah. What, 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 uh, I think say, like what, the Bears Colts, or Vikings. The, I think or the Bears were six to one and Colts were seven to one. And this is twenty twenty one. All of a sudden, this chatter started. Dak doesn't get the extension from Dallas. Where is he going to be in twenty twenty one? All of a sudden, the Colts are up there. Um, these are my thoughts. I like Dak. Think he's a nice quarterback. Do I think he's a top five, top seven quarterback in the league? No. Do I think he'll ever get there? No. Um, I think he's Dalton. I think he's Kirk Cousins. Solid. Get you to the first round of the playoffs. Don't know if I trust him past that. So, is he better than what you currently have? Probably. But am I giving him the type of money, even this, you know, he's saying three years, which I don't think Dak would take that, to be honest with you. No, I am not. I I am not because you're going to be in a much, much tougher cap situation moving forward. And I'm a firm believer in this. The next quarterback that becomes your starter needs to be on the rookie contract. I think that's the best thing to do long term. I think it's the best thing to do from a financial standpoint as well. You know, think about all these teams with those rookie contract quarterbacks that have made a Super Bowl or won it. Yeah. Mahomes in Kansas City. Golf in the Rams. Wentz in Philly. You know, Russell Wilson in Seattle back a handful of years ago when he was still on that rookie deal. You know, even Brady in New England. Very cap-friendly deal. So, again, I think Dak is a fine quarterback. But no, unless I'm getting a Hall of Fame Aaron Rodgers type guy, I'm not committing that absurd amount of money because I don't think the return will will warrant you what you want. You have to try and hit the home run. I know it's not how, I, I know it's not easy at all, but you got to try and do it. From Mitch, in a strange hypothetical, the Colts have to change their name and logo like Washington is. What name do you like? Dude, I'm so bad at this stuff. <laughs> like coming up with creative team nicknames. Like I, I've heard some of the Washington ones. None of them sound good to me. None of them. If I were a team, I would do this. I'd like announce on Twitter we're changing our nickname. I'd just scroll through the mentions, find the four that I think looks the best, put yeah. them in a poll, let fans vote, and just to keep people happy. Like, That's fair. I mean, what it, Indianapolis Racers, like the hockey team, the Circle City, like what? Ugh, I got nothing, dude. You? No, it's funny as you said the racers because that's immediately where, where my mind went. Besides that, I don't really know. Colts sound good, so I don't. I don't. <laughs> I guess unless people get, you know, Broncos is, <laughs> becomes an endangered species or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Mitch. From O'Shea, will Darius Leonard be the highest paid linebacker when his rookie deal is up? Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless you throw like Khalil Mack in the linebacker category, but no, if you talk off-ball linebackers, yeah. Do you think Marvell Tell the Third will play over or under fifty percent of the defensive snaps this year? Richard loved his growth growth over the course of last season. Yeah, so did the Colts, Richard. Um, unless injuries occur, I have to think it's below fifty percent. And, and this will be the big reason. What do the Colts do with their dime package? Because we all know base defense, two corners, two safeties. Nickel, your third corner comes on the field. Dime. The Colts like to bring a third safety onto the field, not a fourth corner. That's where your playing time comes from. So, is your dime George Odom? 
They like that last year. Mm-hmm. Is your dime Julian Blackman when he gets healthy? Or is your dime Marvell Tell? Or does Marvell Tell push Xavier Rhodes or Rocky Scene? So I just, you know, you're there's no way your fourth corner last year played more than 25% of the snaps. So I can't. 50 is very high unless injuries occur. From Laura, odds this season actually happens. Pure, like, Vegas odds this season happens. Does happens mean 16 games in Super Bowl? I don't know. Sure. Like you said, they're going to try everything they can to make sure it does. I mean, if you're going odds this season actually happens, 16 games and, and Super Bowl, I'd say 10%. Maybe 20. Like, purely Vegas odds. Mm-hmm. NBA, you probably put it 50-50 right now, which is extremely high. I mean, yeah. no one's tested positive in that bubble. Like, you've built the bubble. Now it's, you know, don't let Instagram model XXX come <laughs> into the bubble. From you know, it's just... One more thing on this. Well, I guess we, we can treat this as our one COVID question of the week. There's no way the NFL could have done a bubble. It's impossible. Mm-mm. So what you're doing is you are trying to say 23, 24, 25-year-olds, single, maybe not single males, behave. Behave when you go home. Um, I've seen... We've seen plenty of DMs from Colts players to other people. Um, them behaving is a big if. Yep. It's a big <laughs> if. I will leave it at that. Um, and you know what? Players are going to have to, and teams are going to have to realize things are not unfair. Excuse me. Things are unfair mm-hmm. this year. The level playing field the NFL prides itself on and the parity, which I love, that's kind of thrown out the window. Like, you're going to have weird things. Fire's going to hit teams harder than it hits other teams. You're going to have fans in stands maybe some places and not in others. And, you know, what do you do with kind of false positive tests? And, you know, are you testing daily during the season? And, uh, you know, the whole contact tracing and all that stuff. It's, you know, I know right now the Colts in their locker room, they have kind of plexiglass dividers in between each locker. That's a step in the right direction, you know. Laura, it's going to be weird. It's going to be odd. It's going to be who knows, but it goes back to Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner's quote. You have, if you want team sports, you're going to have to live with the virus. Yep. And let's give credit right now to the PGA Tour and to IndyCar and to NASCAR and to UFC. They're testing a whole lot of people and they're making it happen. And they're moving city to city and they're making it happen. Right. Tucker Barnhart was on with JMV yesterday, said it well. Guys, can we not go to a bar for two months? Some people say no. Some people say yes, but that's that's reality. Because if it starts infiltrating in your locker room, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult. Man, I want sports. <laughs> Don't we all? Gosh. From Connor, what's with everybody not seeing how much Walker helps this team and not wanting to extend him? He's put up great stats. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even think it's a stats thing with, with, with Walker. I think it's more of an intangibles thing. I, I just think it means a lot. But I keep on coming back to this, Connor. If the Colts are obsessed with Bobby Okereke, and they are, and they believe he's a pro bowler, do you just let him sit there and not play a whole lot? And these are the tough decisions that NFL teams should have to make. 
you know, this is why, and for those of you that listen, when I hosted for Dan on Friday and I got into the whole, you know, Ballard era versus Grigson era debate, these type of arguments we never really had, Chris, Yeah. year four into the Grigson debate. They were still winning, and they won without luck. That's what they did really well. They were six and four without luck. But you never had the two of my own draft picks I'm debating who I should move forward with. Mm-hmm. Like no, Grixon. It was did Grixon hit on two draft picks after 2012? Probably not. You have this debate with Ballard, and that's what makes you feel better about the foundation moving forward. I like Anthony Walker a lot, but I'm I don't want Pro Bowl talent to rot away. From Josh, do you believe the Colts have a leg up on other teams based on how well they understand each other already? He would hate to be a fan of a team with a new head coach and scheme during the pandemic. Yeah, Joshua, it is a good point. I don't know if I'd use the phrase understand each other, but I would say just um, understand the system would be where I would go with. And I come back to what I've said all along. They have character and they have self-motivation. And that's, hell, that might be 80% of the battle in this 2020 season. goes back to what I just said a few questions ago. Can you resist the urge? Mm -hmm. Can you resist the urge? A lot of temptations out there. I mean, we we all have done it too. We all have looked at it and say, you know, should I go to this route? Should I go? Like, but we aren't risking 52 other guys in that locker room. Correct. So, um, yeah. Which Colt rookie has, which Colt rookie besides the second rounders, Pittman and Taylor, has the best chance to surprise fans and make an impact in 2020? That's from Lucas. Lucas, that's a great question, man. I, I don't have a good answer for you. Danny Pentner, if an injury happens, Jordan Glasgow on special teams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. I, I'm not expecting a lot of rookie impact. I'm expecting major opportunity for Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Outside of that, I'm not, I mean, Julian Blackman's going to be on the mend, right? Yeah. And how is Julian Blackman ACL wise with this pandemic? You know, we, Vinatieri seemingly has hurt his rehab. What has it done to, to a guy like Blackman? So, yeah, I, I'm not expecting much. Maybe Blackman in the back half of the season, but I know this is a popular answer we get this this time of year, but don't hold your breath, Lucas. From Zach, let's say the Colts allow Marlon Mack to sign elsewhere. How much will they regret not re-signing him if Jonathan Taylor's fumbling issues don't get better or worsen from college? Boy, I mean, Zach, this is, um, this is a tough question. Um, some of the Jonathan Taylor truthers don't want to – face this reality, but we've talked about it on the podcast. His fumbling numbers, touch per fumble, is concerning. Now, the Colts did what last year? What, one, I think it was one fumble and like 500 touches for their running backs? That might be a little high, but it was some something absurd. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's something to keep an eye on. Like, if, if Taylor puts it on the same rate that he did at Wisconsin this rookie season, you probably have to look long and hard at it. Like, nothing pisses off. There are a lot of things that piss off NFL football fans. Running backs fumbling is very high on that list. Um, so, I, I don't know if it's just black and white, though. Like, how much will they not regret? Resigning Mac, like again, Marlon Mack's gonna have his own decision. Yeah, that's true. He can go elsewhere. Like free agency is free agency. It goes back to our and we will we will record a Victor uh, Victor Oladipo podcast. <laughs> we, 
We will record a Pacers podcast on Friday with a lot of Victor Oladipo chatter. And the reality of the situation is this, Chris. Victor's never been a free agent in the NBA. Yeah. That's enticing to a lot of people. It is. So, got to keep that in mind too, Zach. From Richard, obviously training camp is going to be very different this year with everything. But other than the obvious matchup of Big Q against Buckner, which matchups are you most intrigued by? Personally for him, he thinks Rakyasin and Pittman could be fun to watch. Good. Very good. I like that. Um, Xavier Rhodes versus Hilton. You know, Leonard versus running backs. I always love, like, watching Darius Leonard move in space. Um, Kenny Moore versus Michael Pittman. You know, kind of the seven, you know, whatever. Seven inch, that might be too much. Six inch height difference, but it's just a scrapper and, and Kenny Moore getting involved in there and, and, and you know the 100 size Kenny Moore Ducks or whatever the hell the question was earlier. Uh, Costanzo versus Ture. There's a ton. Yeah. A ton that I love, and, and hopefully we will get a chance again. Might not be late July like we usually do, but her, hopefully somewhat early into August. From Tanner, I know you talked about keeping an extra player at each position due to COVID, but could you see a situation where we somehow keep – get to keep both McLaughlin and Blankenship, or do you see one of them getting picked up by another team? Tanner, I think better chance that uh, Vontae Davis in the ring of honor than um, Blankenship and McLaughlin both being on your 53-man roster. I I guess he didn't clarify. I should be fair here. Maybe he didn't clarify 53-man roster, maybe practice squad as well, but... No, I think in a in a COVID aspect offseason, some might say, well, it's important to have another kicker. I tend to think you just look at that kicker and you say, don't F this up. Just don't get sick. <laughs> um, everyone else on the team, I, I need an extra corner. I need an extra wide out. It's just – and, like, what is kind of the need for two – is this purely a COVID? I guess it is. Purely a COVID-related question? Like – to me, Chase McLaughlin and Blankenship, they'd have a good chance to get picked up. So I don't no, I don't I, I don't I don't see that happening. With that 50, in, sorry. Fifty three man roster spots are just way too precious. Yeah. Way too precious. Completely agree. You can't yeah, you can't do that. With adding Roosevelt Nix and Trey Burton, if healthy, Mitchell thinks people are sleeping on the impact those two can make, especially with adding Taylor at running back. He thinks Nix is going to be deadly for the Colts. Yeah, as much as I love fullbacks, I don't know if I called Nick's deadly. Um, I actually think Trey Burton has the higher ceiling. Versatile piece helps you out on pass downs and run down. You know, Nick's is a one. He's a one trick pony. You know, when he comes in the game, you know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of tipping your hand a little bit. I think um, I like I like Burton with 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 the higher ceiling. What sure. uh, What should our Iconic go-to big play slash TD song at Lucas Oil Stadium be for the Colts this season. Gary's going to throw Head Sprung by LL Cool J for his nominee. Uh, not to be played to death, but a good beat and not typically Indiana. Yeah, Gary, that ain't happening, man. Uh, as much as much as I want to, <laughs> you know, if you've ever been to a Colts football game, there is 0% chance you're getting Head Sprung by LL Cool J after touchdowns. Um I kind of like bang on these drums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You got anything? That's classic. Honestly, I didn't. When I when I read it, I was like, 
you know what? I've never thought about that question before, and I, I, I would be terrible at picking the music. Oh, I'd be a bad. I, I love the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Okay. Maybe something off that. I think there's some upbeat stuff there you could go with, Gary. But um, LL Cool J after a Colts touchdown, mm, don't think we're going to see that. Wakes Pike. I think I said that correctly. Yeah. After your last few pods highlighting how free agents and late-round picks may be up a creek this year due to the lack of a preseason, do you think next year's draft there will be free agents slash late-round bonanza or because there are so many undrafted free agents slash late-round picks, more college players will delay their draft to raise their stock? Well, I'm a little confused on what exactly he's asking here. Um... I mean, I, I've highlighted, yeah, not 100% sure. I guess looking ahead to next draft, maybe there's not as many underclassmen as normal if the college season is canceled. But I also think you just get some agents in these kids' minds that are like, guys, the age is the most important thing. Like, go, go. Mm-hmm. You know, teams will take a chance on you and develop you. Maybe some guys want to move on as well. So, yeah, I'm not a unless you see something in that question that I'm not exactly seeing. Nope. I don't I, I expect less amount of rookies and undrafted free agents to make these rosters. Yeah. An interesting question from Logan this week. What five current Colts players would you would you select to be part of the Calicio Storico <laughs> team for the US? Sounds it is an awesome man. game in Florence, Italy that has been played since fifteen thirty. It was shown in a new Netflix series called Home Game. You should check it out. Okay. Did you ha, have you looked this up or seen this? I YouTubed. Same. Yes. I have no clue what's going on. I YouTubed it as well. I believe it is some sort of boxing, fighting, and rugby. If they all yeah. had a threesome and produced a baby, <laughs> that's what you would get. Right. The the clips that I was watching, I was like, oh, there's actually a ball. Like, so it's like what fifty people to a side. And you have like this big pole and a ball on top of the pole, or what, what, what? Or is it like try to get the pole to stay sturdy? I think you you hit the nail on the head when you you described the three things that it is. It was a bunch of like MMA, but oh yeah, and yeah, exactly. This is MMA stuff. This isn't like boxing. Probably isn't the right term now that I say it. It's like MMA, boxing, football, and rugby. I've never seen anything like it. So he wants five Colts. Yep. I will go with Nelson. Mm-hmm. Leonard, I think Matthew Adams has got some crazy in him, so I'll go with him. I'll go with EJ Speed. Okay. But I, I really need guys with screws loose. Yeah. That's what you need. You need guy. You like. You need the Antonio Morrisons. You have to. Maybe Grover Stewart. Big. Yeah. I don't know anybody. I mean, like, do you want Speed? Did you want Hines? Did you want? I, I don't know. No, I want the rugged. Luke Rhodes is he in there? Yeah, Luke, Luke. You know, Luke Rhodes is a linebacker when he first got here. I think people know that, but maybe not. Um, yeah, he'd be a good one. He looks like a guy. That's, he's kind of <laughs> built like a Greek god. Yeah, those are good. What a question! Couple more questions from Bradley. With the uncertainty of the coronavirus, is co- if college football is canceled, how will it affect the way teams go about scouting players? Will they have to look at last year's tape or hope the players keep in shape and improve on those skills? Boy, it's a really good question, yeah. Bradley. Scouting 101 is going to be totally different this year. Um, I'd be curious what a spring season looks like. I think The Athletic did a poll 
and let's say they interviewed 20 coaches about a spring season, half of them expected two guys to enter the draft and not play. Okay. Or, or excuse me, two guys to sit out because of the draft on each team. So, you know, two. Now, obviously, Clemson might have eight, yeah. but, you know, IU might be like, yeah, yeah we have none. <laughs> um, so... That's what you have to, I guess, look at. The NFL is not moving that draft. I mean, they they want to. They know full well that we'll all watch it if it's yep. on Christmas Day or New Year's Eve. So, um, it's all about relationships. All about relationships. If you're the area scout and Chris Presley is the Southeast scout, you need to know Florida strength and conditioning coach. You need to know South Carolina State's DB coach. Like you've got to trust those relationships mm-hmm. inside that building. You know. But I mean, let's let's be real here. Joe Burrow was going to be a seventh round pick, sixth round pick, right? And then he set the world on fire. I mean, it's going to impact some people. It definitely will. And you really got to grind out on that sophomore and junior film. Typically, you don't. Sometimes you watch a little bit early. Oftentimes, you focus on just the class at hand. You're going to have to go back and look at that, and then and then a lot of projecting. But I cannot stress enough how much you're going to have to rely on the relationships and the character. Think about That's that. huge for the Colts, That's yeah. Huge. 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 That's something you can always fall back on. Yeah. Jason wants to know if Lucas Oil Stadium has fans in the stands, do you think the roof is open more to combat the transmission of the coronavirus? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I mean anything to help. Now, granted, MetLife Stadium's an open air stadium and they're not even sniffing fans. Um you know, I'm pretty sure the field cannot handle precipitation though. Mm-hmm. So that could be an issue. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as long as, yeah, let's take 10 minutes to close the roof, maybe close it if it starts around. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, anything to help, sure. From Jordan, what's the start date for training camp? Yeah, 28th. That is that that is report day as of right now. Rookies report, I think, today or tomorrow. So uh, that that's where we're at right now, Jordan. I couldn't ask for a better birthday present. 28th? Yeah. Nice. Okay, well, we got to make sure the pod isn't necessarily that day then. <laughs> Okay. No, we're all good. good. Good to know. From Trent, with a couple of players set to reset the market at their position, mentions Nelson and Leonard, can the Colts afford to get into a bidding war with the Cowboys, or do they almost need to look in the draft for the next quarterback? Similar to what I said earlier, Trent, I'm a big believer in that rookie contract quarterback. Mm-hmm. Big believer in I just don't think – I like Dak, but I don't like him enough. Yep. Don't like him enough. Again, from our friend Tanner, last week we messed up your question – Besides the obvious Peyton, Reggie, and Vinny, who will be the next Colt to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, not the Ring of Honor? Yeah, that's on me. That's on me, Tanner. I read Ring of Honor. Uh, Hall of Fame's a little different. Obviously, uh, those three will go in. You know, just to make sure, Reggie, it might take a little time. I know a lot of people are like, Reggie's going in next year. It took Marvin Harrison three tries. Yeah. Which is ludicrous. But again, that's reality of it. So, Marvin has a much better resume than than Reggie. Um, now Reggie's got a great postseason history, but uh, I've never understood why it takes some people so long. Uh, like so stupid. It's just it's it's. Stupid. If you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. Okay, who will be the next? You know, a lot of people disagree with me on this. I think Robert Mathis over Dwight Freeney. Mathis, NFL record for most strip sacks mm-hmm. in the history of the game. I think of pass rusher. I think of impactful plays. And no one has done it better. Yeah. No one. So, 
I know some people might say, well, Freeney longevity. He did it on multiple teams. Did he get to a Super Bowl with Arizona? I don't know if that matters, um, but I think he was on that Super Bowl team. Or maybe Atlanta. I don't know. He was on one of the Super Bowl teams. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe they both eventually get in, but I don't think it's slam dunks on those guys. I don't. So, um, yeah, maybe Mathis. That's tough. I mean, I, honestly, Mathis, Freeney, and then what? I mean, Quentin Nelson. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. like who? I mean, yeah. You know, Ty would have to play into like thirty six or thirty seven and go on an absolute tear. Ty had put up like some Hall of Fame numbers four or five years into it, but that's tapered off. From I'm the Beast, recently celebrating his twenty third birthday. Here we go. Know, who is most important player currently on the roster for a team to have success in the next five years? Is there a different player on the roster already for the next five after that? The most important player currently on the roster for the team to have success in the next five years. Well, most people would say Buckner, I think. I'd say Jacob Eason. If he's going currently on the roster, Mm -hmm. and if for some reason, you know, you have an injury or two, and the Colts say, all right, Jacob Beeson, here you go. And he throws for 330 and three touchdowns. Then they're like, okay, let's run this back again the next week. And he throws for 260 and two touchdowns. And then they're like, all right, let's run. And all of a sudden, Jacob Beeson becomes your franchise quarterback. And yeah. he looks like the first-round pick people thought he might have been. Then it's him. I mean, that's the most important position. I'm going with him. I'm going with Jacob Beeson. All right, last question for this week's podcast is from Romulus. It says, okay, off-season thought experiment. Oh Would the NFL and the NFLPA ever consider a 10-day week? My thought is that the NFL could then sell games on Sunday and Wednesday plus Monday and Thursday to TV. The players could also get 10 to 11 days between games. Since I trust your opinion, I was wondering your thoughts. If that could ever happen, at least it would give you something good to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> But he only says, I, since I trust your opinion, that, man, that means a lot. Thank you, Romulus. That sounds like something I hope Rosie Bowen says to me one day. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, um, is this like EPL stuff? Don't they play twice a week? Don't they play on, like, weekends and midweek? I don't know. I I don't think so. I mean, 10-day break. I mean, now the season's lengthening. Right. When I do mean, you start? You st- I mean, I guess yeah, you start where do you start? Where do you finish? I'm all for safety and stuff, but, you know, the NFL, I feel like there is this, maybe it's a Mark Cuban thing driven, but, like, are you saturating it too much? You start playing all these days of the week. Is that too much? Mm-hmm. Think about it. People have lives, high school sports, youth sports. You, know, you certainly can't play on Friday night, yeah. high school football. So I, I just – um. I don't know. Maybe you look at injuries coming off bye weeks, and if there's some like huge drastic difference, maybe that is a reason why you would do this. But I don't know if I can go here. I I, I don't. It's it's thought provoking, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. You got an opinion on it? No, I mean, like you said, the oversaturation, or that's that's. But I guess that's the only negative with it. I mean, it, it should help from a safety standpoint. I, the safety I, definitely would increase, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know, man. And don't put it past the NFL. No, I, I mean, mean the, I'm, trust me, the NFL's thought about all this. Whatever yeah. makes more money. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one, Ron. Thank you for that. 
All right, Kevin, that was it. That was loaded, man. That was long. Probably one of our longer podcasts in a while. We wanted to get everyone's Twitter questions in there. I saw a few people DM me over the night, and I will get to uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to those next week. But um, this will probably be our last podcast, Colts podcast, until training camp starts. And I put start in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll come with the training camp preview podcast next week. And that will obviously be more centered around whenever they start practice. Yeah. So 1075thefan.com has, um, we're starting to get into more training camp centric content, you know, position battles, position of strengths, you know, stuff like that. Check that out up on the, um, up on the site. And for those of you that are Pacer fans, Friday, Friday morning, yeah. Chris and I will, are, are playing in a Pacers pod. So we'll be back then. Should be up by about lunchtime on Friday. Help you out through the old Friday blues and get you something for that drive home. Um, you got anything else, man? No. Looking cool. forward to Friday. Yeah, Friday will be fun. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Send in your Pacers questions if you got them. DM me, message me, whatnot. You guys know the plan. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you a little bit later on Kevin's Corner.